This is Tim Doyle, lead pastor of Restoration Church. Welcome to our weekly podcast featuring content from our worship celebrations at Second and Francis in beautiful, historic downtown St. Joseph, Missouri. We exist to love, lead, and launch people in their destiny in God. For notes about today's message or for more information online about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Here's today's message. Good morning, everyone. Sorry, it took so long decorating, but you know me. (laughs) I am Krista, and I didn't expect all that big um, introduction about a pastor's wife. I have to say, um, last week, that leads into my conference, my uh, Christian Women's Conference, and I was sitting there, and I was thinking, oh, Lord, you know, you're going to give me a Christian business buddy. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And as I was sitting in the fifth row back, he reminded me, he's like, you know what? It's a privilege to get to lead the church that you're in and that I've given you your tribe that you're in. And I just want to thank you all for being our church and my tribe. And I also want to thank my husband because he honors the Holy Spirit and he's letting his wife come and preach today. Not every pastor would allow a woman to come and be behind the pulpit, and we've never had a problem with it. So I thank you. And as I said, you are my people, and we are a house of restoration. Somebody had commented about how they were a house of healing. They were just talking about their family, but I uh, was like, well, God's given us our name for a purpose, and so I just want to speak that over us, that we are a house of restoration. And I'm so glad that you're here today, because God called you here today. I'm just... I wasn't expecting my sister and my brother to be here today. So maybe I can get the crying out early and I don't have to. I I was practicing. I was driving to Kansas City. I was like, okay, Lord, let's just talk this out as we're on our way. And I was crying. I was a hot mess by the time I was in Platte City. I was like, well, I better stop this because I'm going to be like that meme where the black is all over their face. And so... It is a privilege to be here today, and I consider myself a puzzle master. And you might say, well, what is a puzzle master? And it's a person who, how the Lord speaks to me, I put the pieces together. And uh, it's funny because I drew this painting. I'm going to refer to it a couple times. I didn't know if I was going to use it or not. This, when I painted this, it was... uh, That's our farmhouse that we grew up in. And I remember sitting on a swing set over that was to the south side of the house. And I remember singing, 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 singing. And I was singing to the Lord. And I don't think I even knew what I was doing then. But you know what? Worship is the way that you have a thankful heart, entering into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with with praise. And so if you want to be in the presence of God, you worship and you thank him. So you might have heard that song that was playing in the REO speed wagon. I'm telling my age, 1984 East Buchanan. Woo! 
Oh, yeah, Bulldogs. East Buchanan, hi. Okay. I know Anna O'Brien's here. She's an East Buck gal, too. So, <laughs> I was uh, praying, always in March, I pray, and the Lord tells me who is going to be our Women's Day speaker. And this year, it was about a month ago, I was kind of getting ticked at the Lord. I was like, <clears throat> Lord, you haven't told me who is supposed to be our speaker this year. I was putting on my makeup before church, you know, being so holy, being bossy with the Lord. <laughs> and he... You know, a lot of times we give our, we say it's our intuition, but really it's the Holy Spirit talking to us. And I heard back, um, what about you? And me being the yes girl I am, I said, nope. I don't have time for that. I just don't have time for that. I'm trying to build my business, Lord. I'm, I just don't have time for that. And uh, he said, oh. Oh, really? And I said, oops. <laughs> okay. I repent. And then that night we had prayer here, and I confessed my sins of being <laughs> stubborn, being full of myself, <laughs> being not willing to say yes when it's time to say yes. And so I believe, how many of you pick a word of the year? Every January 1st. Okay, got quite a few. And it's like the word that you mull over, you pray about, you say, okay, what, how's this supposed to be new for me this year? And last year, it was fly for me. That's why I had REO Speedwagon. Actually, it was a couple weeks after I said yes to the Lord that I got into my truck. And I, I don't usually turn the radio on, but I was out running errands, and I turned the radio on, and it was that song at that point saying, time for me to fly, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm a puzzle master. I hear my father's voice when he's talking to me, and he was saying, yep, see, I told you it's time for you to fly, and I also believe it's not only time for me as a leader of this church to fly, but I believe it's time for you to fly. Because this is a new day, and this is what the Lord wants. He wants you to fly. You're supposed to fly. You're not only supposed to arise. Arise has been our word, but you're also supposed to fly. So today I'm going to tell you a few stories because the word preaching kind of scares me. But I can tell stories through painting. And I can tell stories with my word. So I'm going to tell you a few stories. I missed my scripture already, Proverbs 27, 17. And I'm going to be like iron sharpening you. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So consider me your friend. I've called you my tribe, so you're also my friend. Let's pray. 
Father God, I just thank you. I don't take this lightly, God. I just thank you for the privilege to lead your church, Restoration Church, God. We are a house of restoration. I just thank you, God, that you've called each and every person that's sitting here today. There's no accident. They're here to hear your word, to be challenged, to be um, boosted in their spirit, God. I pray your voice would be clearer to them than they've ever thought. And I just thank you for this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's turn to Isaiah 54. And I know I'm reading out the Passion Translation. And the Passion Translation isn't on the Bible app. So I had to buy it on Kindle. And then they make it so you can't copy and paste. So I said, Zach, I don't know how to copy and paste this. So he figured it out for me. I'm so thankful for kids who are smarter than me. I need my water, honey. So you read out your translation, I'll read out the Passion Translation. Did I say Isaiah 54, 1 through 17? And I have to say, I wrestled with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, why on Mother's Day do you want me to read this? This is so, I don't know. But you know what? In your life, you've had prophetic words given to you, words that people speak that are, are speaking life into you, that are uh, saying what you can do. That's what a prophetic word is. It's a word that is about your future, and it's a good word. And so, once again, the puzzle piece got put out there. And I was like, oh, yeah. It happened in early 2000. Mama Renee, who now is in Florida, and she wasn't Mama Renee to me then. I didn't even know who she was. She came up to me on the National Day of Prayer, and she said, I have a word for you. And it was out of Isaiah 54. And today I believe that there's words that you've been hanging on to, that you've been believing for, that you've been just asking God, when is my time going to be? And I have to say, it's time for you to fly. So he's wanting, you to, wanting me to remind you that it's time to dust off those words and believe once again that he has a future and a hope for you. Isaiah 54, rejoice with singing, you barren one. You who have never given birth, burst into song of joy and shout. You who have never been in labor, for the deserted wife will have more children than the married one, says Yahweh. Increase is coming, so enlarge your tent and add extensions to your dwelling. Hold nothing back. Make the tent ropes longer and the pegs stronger. You will increase and spread out in every direction. Your sons and your daughters will continue conquer nations and revitalize desolate cities. Do not fear, for your shame is no more. Do not be embarrassed, for you will not be disgraced. You will not forget then you will you will forget the inadequacies you felt in your youth, and you will no longer remember the shame of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband, his name is Yahweh, commander of the angel armies. Your kinsman, redeemer, is the holy one of Israel. He is the mighty God of all the earth. 
for I, Yahweh, have invited you to come back like a depressed, deserted wife, like a young wife who has experienced rejection. I am drawing you back to me, says Yahweh. For just a moment, I deserted you, but with tender feelings of love, I will gather you back to me. In a surge of anger, for just the briefest moment, I hid my face from you. But with everlasting kindness, I will show you my cherishing love, says Yahweh, your kinsman redeemer. To this, this is like the time when I vowed that the waters of Noah's flood would never again cover the earth. Now I vow to you that I will neither be angry with you nor rebuke you. Even if the mountains were to crumble and the hills disappear, my heart of steadfastness, faithful love, will never leave you, and my covenant of peace will never be shaken, says Yahweh, whose love and compassion will never give up on you. You unhappy ones, storm-tossed and troubled, I'm ready to rebuild the precious stones and, embedded, and embed your foundation with sapphires. It was funny because we were praying up beforehand and people were talking about the stones and stuff and they didn't know I had this in my notes. Um, all your children would be taught of the Lord. Amen. And great will be their peace and prosperity. Another amen. You will be established in righteousness, oppression far from them, fear be far from them. I need my balloon. Somebody... Okay. <laughs> you may be wondering why. <laughs> I'm a creative soul, so y'all just be patient with me. See this balloon? I decided we had a cute little man have his first birthday a month ago. And so Mr. Jeremiah Thomas Doyle turned one April 2nd. And Grandma, Grammy, thought that sweet boy needed to have a balloon and a chocolate donut when he came over to our house, you know, because I'm the grandma and I can feed him chocolate donuts. My mom fed Zach white bread and chocolate syrup, so... <laughs> I'm like, a chocolate donut's better than chocolate on white bread. So anyway, I went out to the party store, and I was like, okay, I'm going to pick out the perfect balloon. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, he was not showing his best side. <laughs> gosh. And uh, I don't like buying cards. It takes me forever. My husband is the best card purchaser ever. I got a beautiful one this morning. Thank you, honey. And so I was picking out balloons. So of course I'm walking around. Okay, what does he need? Mickey Mouse, a pig, a cow. Uh, what does he need? And then I saw this dog. I'm like, he needs that dog because at home we have, yes, that's my Mr. Indy Blue. And so um, I thought, oh, Jer Bear will love this. 
Grandma's going to give him a dog like Indy Blue, even though Indy Blue, when he's over, we put him in the laundry room and Indy cries and barks. And just because Indy's 90 pounds and thinks he needs to sit on everybody's lap. So I come home and I'm like, this is the day before Jer was coming over for his birthday and like, coming in the house. And lo and behold, Mr. Indy Blue, who's 90 pounds, thinks this balloon is a real dog. And I'm like, uh, Indy, it's a balloon. He's growling, he's barking, he's his hair's going up on his back, and I'm like, Oh, Lord, I had no idea my dog was going to be afraid of balloon. So I let him sniff him and, and you know, come on. It's a, it's a balloon, Indy. It's a balloon. No, no, no. He didn't, he didn't believe me. Don't know why. You would have thought this balloon was a 900-pound dog trying to eat him up. <laughs> so I took the balloon to my studio, which is in our house. It's a room. And hit him because I'm like, okay, I can't wait till this balloon's out of our house because since the dog thinks he has to eat him up. And I was going on about my day and, and uh, the Lord said, you know that balloon? I said, yep, worst decision I've ever made, buying that balloon. <laughs> no, nope. that balloon's like fear. And a lot of times in our lives, we walk through the worst case scenario. What could have happened? How's this going to come out? What, you know, if I do that, then this, I'm afraid to step out. And uh, he said, yep, that balloon's like fear. I said, okay, Lord. He said, yeah, and, you know, all that dog has to do is take a bite at that and it'll be flat on the floor. So we need to recognize in our lives that what we think is a real thing is really just a balloon that we need to just say no to. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to think about that balloon every time I'm thinking about coming up on this stage. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we say around here that obedience opens doors. And obedience op opens up opportunities. And that's one thing I had to keep thinking about. Okay, if you've asked me to do this, then I'm opening up a door of opportunity to walk through. That I can't let a balloon stand in front of me. I'm scared. I'm scared. Oh, I'm scared. Thank you. Because our Father, our Heavenly Father, wouldn't ask us to do something that was truly harmful. So the next time you're tempted to think the worst case scenario and all the other possibilities are wrong, that could go wrong, you need to think of that stinking balloon and say, I ain't going to fear. <laughs> 
First John 4:18, the Passion Translation. Love never brings fear. You know, that's right, because our Father God, if you feel like you're being asked to do something by him, he's going to equip you to do it. For fear is always related to punishment. He's not wanting to punish you. But love's perfection drives out the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks consistently, constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. And that's what it's all about. We need to know how much we're loved. We'd be so brave if we knew how much we are loved. Fear is a joy robber. So the first thing we learned is obedience is an opportunity it opens a door. And then second point is fear is a robber. Okay. Thank you. Who said that? Thank you. <laughs> and also, I want to say, you know what? <laughs> I'm a perfectionist, and so is my husband. So imagine that, living in a house and uh, two creative people that are perfectionists. And um, I just give you permission to take a risk and to fail. Because you know what? If you never take a risk, and if you're not willing to fail, you'll never know what joy is on the other side of that door. Oh, and I also want to point out, as we're talking about the dog, see that dog right there? I don't know if you're way back. I've never had a red dog in my life, and so I painted this two years before we got Andy. And one day, I, after we got him, I'm like, hmm, I guess that's a part of the puzzle here is getting that red dog in our life. He is the biggest lover. He's 90 pounds, but he's the biggest lover. He loves Pastor Tim. He sits on his lap. He has to go lay on the bed and cuddle with him. You know, who, who would know that a dog could bring joy to your house? But he does. Yeah, I looked in the backyard, and one day he was sitting when he was a pup. He was, we have a big tree that's like this. It doesn't bloom like that. But I was just like, well, he was meant to be. So that's one way the Lord uses me. I draw paintings, and then it's like a couple years later, I'm like, oh, remember that painting? That's why you painted that painting. And I have to believe that God wants to use you wherever you are in whatever vocation you have to bring him glory. And so I believe that me painting pictures is a way of showing who the great creator is. He's the biggest creator of all, so I'm just emulating who he is. So when I painted that painting, I was climbing up ladders and down ladders, and I get the weirdest dizziness in my head when I'm climbing a ladder. So I was just like, okay, Lord, 
I'm doing this for you. And as I was writing the scriptures on that painting, I felt his pleasure. So that's how you can judge something if he's asked you to do it is, do you feel joy in your heart? Because even though it's hard, and he asks us to do a lot of hard things, but he also brings us joy. So I'm going to get to my real story here. That was two stories. So Lord told me I could tell three stories. So <laughs> like, okay, so you've got to give me the stories, Lord. So this story happened 24 years ago. And it was on Mother's Day. And we've got a lot of new people in this church. So I know some of you maybe have heard my story a little bit. But it gives God the glory. And it's worthy of being told. 24 years ago on Mother's Day, I was pregnant for the third time. And if you know, our first baby I lost because of severe prematurity birth at 20 weeks. I didn't know I had what was called an incompetent cervix. And uh, the thing about having an incompetent cervix, you don't know you have it till it's already too late and you're um, losing your baby. So we lived in Oklahoma, and we, um, I gave birth to our first daughter named Hannah Grace, and she's buried down in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. So... It's like, okay, I'm 23. That's how old Will is. To think back and think how our marriage started. We'd only been married a year. And to be 23 and to experience that, I was like, wow, that's a lot. But um, we happened to live in the town that had the doctor that taught at a school who was practicing medicine that had perfected the surgery that I needed to be able to carry babies. So I love it when the Lord lines up everything for you. And so I went to a high-risk doctor, and we, that's how we got Zachary a year later. But he's going to be 29, so that's not, the story's not really about him. So, <laughs> sorry, Zach. I know he loves attention. He's the firstborn. Where is he? I can't see him. Oh, okay. I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> so, as I said, 24 years ago, it was Mother's Day, and we were getting ready. I was going to fly back. We lived in Colorado, Colorado Springs. Pastor Tim worked for Focus on the Family. And we were out there, and I was going to come back and get to spend Mother's Day at home with my mom. If you don't know, my mom and dad come to church here. Wave your hands, mom and daddy. They're the sweet. They've been married 65 years? That's something to give hand clap for. So, okay, where was I? Oh, I was flying back to Missouri. And that day I started having complications, and, and I was already going to a high-risk doctor. But that day I had stuff starting to happen. I was like, oh dear, I better get to the doctor before I get on a plane to go see my 
family who back in the olden days in 1995, there was no cell phone, at least not in our house. There wasn't a computer to talk back and forth, at least not on the internet. I don't know. I don't think we had a computer. Gosh, we're old. (laughs) And uh, that day started a second journey of a pregnancy going away that I didn't really want it to go. And so they gave me a shot and I was in the ambulance and I was shaking like crazy. I'm like, good gravy. I'm, go- I'm having a nervous breakdown here in the ambulance. Well, they didn't, they failed to tell me that this shot that they gave me to stop the contractions was going to be make me have side effects of shaking like out of my bones. And so I got to the hospital. I just have to tell the story on the ambulance guy. He was pushing me through the hospital and he was going like this to all his little buddies. And I was about ready to sock him one because I was so glad he was having a great time while I'm, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, go have a party on your own time, mister. Can you tell I'm a little spunky? That's how we've lasted 10 years (laughs) in ministry. (laughs) We'll be 31 years married. (laughs) I've been spunky all my life. Don't don't ask for any stories from anybody. Okay. So anyway, at the hospital, they had me laying on my head. I asked my husband what was inverted, inverted. So, I mean, it was just with my head lower. And so we were, I was in the hospital for three weeks and God loved little Zach. He came and he said, you know, mommy, we can get a new baby. Yeah, isn't that sad? And, uh. One night, it was three weeks in, we were trying to keep him in as long as we could. They kept giving me uh, medicine that made me feel like I was burning on the inside. Magnesium sulfate? Yeah. It's like you're living in hell, laying in bed on your head, trying to keep your baby in. They don't let you drink a lot of water because of the fear of catching pneumonia in your lungs. I don't know if you catch pneumonia when you're laying in bed, but, you know, having your lungs filled with water. So it was a night, and I don't think you had left the hospital very long, and I was just like, oh, I am sick. I am really sick. I'm sick, and I need my husband. So I I guess all hospitals still have the rotary phone. Maybe it's push button now, but it was rotary. And so I was trying to remember our number, and I was dialing him. And finally he answered, I don't know, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I said, I think I need you to come back because I'm really sick. And so I was laying there, and I actually had a fever. And so I was delirious. And so I thought it took him hours. I was like, where is he? I'm laying here about ready to croak. And it had only been 20 minutes. Our house was 20 minutes away from the hospital. And uh, he got there. And that night, our sweet William was born 
at 24 weeks. He was one pound, 10 ounces. Um, they gave me the shot. I just got over the threshold of when they will start giving you a shot to help his lungs. So they got one of the shots in to me for him. And um, I was laying in the hospital bed in the delivery room and the nurses were in the corner and, I, and they were whispering. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is not good. If they're having to keep their voices low from keep me from hearing what's going on. And then Pastor Tim came back in the room. At home, I don't call him Pastor Tim. I call him Tim. Or honey, or lovey, or he has a lot of other Oh, well, yeah. We don't want to say that. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to repeat him. Although I do think he's a silver fox. He's mine, ladies. Everybody, he's mine. So he came back into the hospital room, and he, I was like, is he dead? Because that's what I assumed with the nurses in the corner whispering. And he said, no, no, he's alive. And he had a little picture, and I was wanting to find the picture, and I couldn't find the picture. It was a Polaroid of him. And there's my little, he looked like a little bird. And I just want to add this in here. When you've seen a baby at 20 weeks, when you've seen a baby at 24 weeks, the Lord holds you responsible to believe that every life is a real human being. I'm not going to spit in God's face about that issue. It was a privilege to get to hold our baby at 20 weeks. She was the cutest little thing. So the doctor said, what's his name? You need to tell us his name. We want to start calling him his name. What's his name? What's his name? And we knew his middle name was going to be Timothy, which means honoring God. And God bless my husband. He lets me pick out our children's names because I don't know if it's because, I don't know, why do you let me? Because <laughs> I'm spunky. Well, I, I spent a lot of time praying about it. Let's just say that. And uh, so we decided to name him William, which means aggressive protector. And I believe that in order for this baby to have a chance, that the Lord was going to have to be his aggressive protector. And so for four months, I diligently prayed the scripture over him. Psalm 118 verse 17, and it's in the King James Version because that's the version of Bible I had back then. <laughs> and it was, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And I, as I prayed that verse daily, 
multiple times a day because God bless our little white boy. They said he has white boy syndrome. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. He had grade one and two brain bleeds, which means he could have had cerebral palsy. He had retinopathy. He had a PDA ligation surgery. He had hernia surgery. Um, it was just like, it was a daily roller coaster. He'd start getting better, he'd go down. He'd start getting better, go down. And I'm so thankful because we were in a progressive hospital that from day one, they let us hold him. He was on the ventilator for 96 days, but they let us hold him. So we did skin to skin from day one. But uh, when they were doing the sonogram on his brain that day, Tim wasn't there, and uh, the nurse wasn't thinking because <laughs> she told me the results. And she said, you know, he could have CB, he could CP, he could have da-da-da, 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 da-da-da. And when you're in that condition, just having given birth, you need to not hear the worst-case scenarios. You know, people need to use wisdom. God love her. She, uh, I was just about ready to faint when she said that, because I was just like, Lord, I've done this to my baby. I really hadn't. It was just a condition I had. And he told me, he said, you know what? He's going to be the baby I want him to be. He's going to become the man I want him to be. You know, we lay it on ourselves, you know. If we muscle, if we, you know, say a prayer a thousand times, you know, we have to be listeners of the Holy Spirit and do what he's asked us to do. And uh, when I was praying that scripture, I was thankful for that scripture to hang on to. He said, uh, you know, that's right, that's for William, but it's also for you. Because going through hard times, it can derail you. It can throw you off the road. It can say, it can make you mad at the Lord. And believe me, I, I've questioned him. We sat at Red Robin, and I was crying over my hamburger, saying, does everybody have it this hard? I think everybody probably does. But I'm so thankful I have the Lord to lean on. You know, I wouldn't be who I am today. Not that I'm anybody. I'm just me. But I believe God's got a call on my life just like he has a call on each one of your lives. And, you know, he might not ask you to stand up on the stage and tell your story. But wherever you are in your workplace, he's been doing a work in your life that you can tell a story to the person next to you of how he's helped you walk through 
difficult, hard things that you never imagined you could. And that story about Will, I want to end. Um, I don't, is he hiding? I told him I was, oh, there he is. <laughs> You know, the kid that was in special ed, he had physical therapy. He didn't walk till he was two. Um, scored a 31 on his ACT when he was in high school. He participated in the drumline. He's really good at music, have you noticed? He graduated. Last December, yes, magna cum laude. <laughs> I, whoops, maybe I was a little too excited there. <laughs> but yes, we have to remember, it wasn't any of my doing that made him accomplish those goals. It's what the Lord's hand did in his life. And I just get to tell the story of what he's done. And so I'm so grateful that 24 years later, I get to tell the story. He's going to be 24 in June. I won't say what I'm thinking. <laughs> this is the year that Zach met M. We, we were just reminiscing with Zach and M. That this was the year that Zachary met Emily. I love you, Will. He's got the sweetest personality. The Lord's blessed us. So I just want to end with this reading Psalm 118. 17 through 20, the message version of it. I didn't die, I lived. And now I'm telling the world what God did. God tested me, he pushed me hard, but he didn't hand me over to death. Swing wide the city gates, the righteous gates. I'll walk right through and thank God. This temple gate belongs to God. So the victors can enter and praise. We are a house of restoration. And I look so forward to the time when others can tell their story. You know, he's told me what he wants to do in this house. So many times we want to see our prayers answered when somebody else comes, like Bishop Paul or, you know, whoever. But you know what? You all have the ability to pray and to see prayers answered in the way that the Lord wants to have them answered. And it's time for you to fly. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to have you visit us in person at Second and Francis at our 10 a.m. Sunday morning celebration. To support this online ministry or to get more information about Restoration Church, visit restorationstj.com. Thanks again for listening.